to have greater confidence in his power. I believe God wants us to be stirred up and to uh, show it in our words, in our actions, our behavior, that we believe that he is well able to do uh, what, we, what we're asking him to do. So we're going to look at this issue starting with uh, one of the accounts of healing in the Gospels, and then we'll look at some other places in the Word of God. So let's, uh, let's go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, which uh, is the passage of the woman with the issue of blood. It's been very well taught, and I'm sure you've probably heard some things from this passage in the past. But we're going to get some exciting stuff out of it tonight and see what God has for us. So be expectant, be ready to receive, be, uh, open your hearts up to hear what the Word of God has to say today. And uh, I thank God that He gives you revelation and understanding as He helps to give me utterance and boldness to speak the Word of God now. And uh, let's look here, let's go to Mark chapter 5. <coughs> Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood. And uh, Mark chapter 5 and verse 25. So if you've got your Bibles, please open them up. Please look with us at these passages so that you can see these things in the Word. Don't just take my word for it. Look at what the Bible itself has to say. This isn't just about what my opinion. This is about what the Word is saying. And so it's good to look at these things. When anyone teaches the Bible, we should be, it's good to, be, to look and to check for ourselves. So Mark chapter 5 verse 25 uh, says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Now, we'll, we'll read further into the passage, but um, just take this one step at a time. I've got some introductory comments I want to make about this passage before we specifically focus on the power of the Lord, the power of God. Uh, and, and we're going to see how it's connected to this passage. But um, 12 years, that's a long time. That is a long time to be sick. That is a long time to be dealing with something. And, um, uh, you know, it, it's serious. If someone, someone is dealing with a chronic condition. Someone is dealing with something long term. Uh, it's very easy to get to a stage where you feel hopeless, where you feel like, you know, you're never going to get free for that thing. It's one thing when somebody believes for something that maybe has just happened or just come up, but 12 years of fighting this thing, 12 years of dealing with this situation. I don't know if any of you have ever had any long-term battles, whether it's healing or whether it's financial or anything, but it can wear you down. It can wear you down to the point that you begin to feel hopeless. You begin to feel there's never going to be a way out. There's never going to be an answer. And uh, the good news is that God heals uh, people even with chronic long-term conditions. There's freedom. And this woman got her freedom. So we want to know how. We want to know what, how did she get helped. And she wasn't the only person uh, in the Gospels that Jesus helped who had had a long-term condition. So let's continue on. Mark chapter 5, verse uh, 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Verse 26 said, and had suffered many things from many physicians or doctors, we would say these days. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, just before we look at her interaction with Jesus, again, notice the, the condition of this woman. It's pretty hopeless. Not only has she had this for 12 years, but she's now, she has spent everything she has. Uh, the book of Luke, the same um, account in the book of Luke said she had, she had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. Um, now, the, just a couple of positive things. One thing notice about this woman is that she hadn't given up yet. This is a really good, 12 years of battling this, she's gone from one doctor to another, and yet she is still looking for an answer. She is still looking for a, the, her breakthrough. 
and she she comes to Jesus expecting that, that she's going to get something from him. But 12 years going from one doctor to, to another, none of them have helped. Let me just add in here a quick word about doctors. You know, there's, I have nothing against doctors. God has nothing against doctors. Going to a doctor is not contradictory to the healing power of God. Sometimes people think, well, it's an either or. Either I'm believing God or I go to the doctors. It's, it's not a matter of either or. You know, people talk about, uh, I think it was Hezekiah in the Old Testament because he, he consulted physicians and, 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 and died. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, you know, it was a situation where he, you know, it, it seems like God was upset with him for, for consulting the, the physicians, the doctors. If you look at that passage closely, it really actually says that he only consulted physicians. It doesn't say that God had a problem with him going to the doctors, but the problem was that he was only looking to the doctors. He didn't put his trust in God. You see, whether you go to a doctor or not, you need to trust God. You need to put your confidence in God. God has nothing against doctors. It is not against faith and believing God and prayer to go to doctors. However, put your primary confidence in God. Look to Him primarily. See, there is only so much a doctor can do. There's only so much anyone in the natural can do. And this woman found that out. She kept trying. She went from one doctor to another, and yet she was she was getting worse. They couldn't help her. You know, Sometimes you get into situations where nobody can help you. You ever felt like that? I've been in situations like that. I've been in situations where I felt there is no way, there is no option, there is no one on this earth who can help me right now. And uh, those are the times you've got, to, you've got to depend completely on God. You turn to Him, you rely on Him, you look to Him with everything you've got. You, you fall, fall on Him and you draw everything you can from God when nobody else can help. So this woman was in a situation where nobody could help her. She was getting worse, and she was rather growing. Grow, uh, she was uh, rather getting worse, and uh, but again, she hadn't given up. Most people in that condition would feel very hopeless. Would have come to a stage where they just start crying. Poor old me. Nobody can help me. However, this woman kept searching for an answer, and she, you know, she wasn't in such a state where she. When she heard about Jesus, people that she kind of said, oh, well, I've tried everything else. That's not going to help either. You don't see that attitude from her. Twelve years of battling with this, and you do not see the attitude where she's given up hope. Uh, but instead, verse, uh, verse 27, verse 27 says, when she heard about Jesus. We've seen that in a couple of the passages before, when you're hearing about Jesus. Hearing, that's the starting point. That's when you, when you hear the word of God. That's when that, that hope, that, that there's an opportunity that God can do something. And you can faith inside of you can begin to realize that, that God is the answer. So she heard about Jesus. And again, notice she, she didn't sit there and hear about Jesus and sit at home and think, well, you know, let's see if, he, if he's going to do anything. No, she got up. She, she went to do something. And you've probably heard messages about how she pressed through the crowd. She pushed in. So when, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd. Now, last week and the week before, we, we saw situations where people had to push through a little bit for their, for their healing. Uh, and I did a, a session on when healing is hard to get. So I'm not going to repeat all of that. But the blind men, the two blind men, they had to push in. They had to put some effort in. The, 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 the paralytic last week who was born by four of his friends, they had to put some effort in. And, and we've seen this is now the third in a row where someone had to put some effort in to get to Jesus. It wasn't just all easy. And so often people want it all easy, and that's why they never get it. When it's not easy, they give up. 
This woman wasn't going to give up. She had that same characteristic of determination and drive that we've now seen three weeks in a row. So when she heard about Jesus, verse 27, she came, uh, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I might touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now, I, 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 there's something about this passage that gets me because there's something about, in this, with, about this woman that you do not see in any of the other people who came to Jesus. And I believe it's, quite, it's something quite impressive. There's something amazing in this. I want you to notice that there was no interaction between her and Jesus before she got her healing. She didn't ask Jesus for it. She did not. Uh, she, Jesus, for all intents and purposes, Jesus didn't even know she was there until after she was healed. She came in. She snuck up. It even says she came behind him in the crowd. So she didn't even want him to notice. She came behind him and she just had this attitude, if I can just touch him, I will get healed. And um, again, there's no uncertainty. She's not like, well, let's see what happens when I touch. There was absolute confidence. When I touch him, I will be healed. That is confidence in, 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 in her approach. But again, she didn't ask. She, she, didn't, she, didn't, she didn't get Jesus' permission at all for this. And I absolutely love that about this passage because we, I, don't, I don't think there's any others that we see that in. Um, I sometimes say it like this. She, she, she pickpocketed Jesus. She snuck up behind him, said, I'm taking it w without any permission at all, without him even saying, oh, yeah, it's okay. You can have it. And what, one of the th what I love about that is Jesus didn't tell her off. Jesus didn't get angry with her. He didn't come up and say, how dare you take without asking? Don't you know that, the, that you don't just do that with the things of God? Jesus didn't tell her off. Now, people today would, would get very upset if, if anybody had the, had the cheek to be that confident with God that they believed, I can go in and I can take it, and, and that's all there is to it. In fact, Jesus commended this woman later on. He, he said that, that, that he was like, that's, that's the way to do it. Well done, basically, is what he said. Uh, she pickpocketed him. She took it without even asking. Now, is, well, put it this way. Firstly, healing was so easily available through Jesus that, that's, that she could get it without asking. That, that, to me, shows how easily and how much God wants to heal. He just made it available like that to people who could just come and take it. They didn't even have to ask. And this woman got a hold of that. That, that is so powerful. That just shows me how, how much God wants to do things, how much he wants to heal. And, and, and there's people who get upset with it. There's still people today who think that God doesn't want to heal. And they get angry. There's even people who are going to get angry when they hear these messages uh, that I'm preaching. But, you know, at the end of the day, if they want to oppose what the Word of God says, that's their choice. But um, I believe that the Bible shows healing is available. And, and we see it in this woman about how she was able to come and touch Jesus and just take it without even asking. You know, I've, and quite honestly, do you, do, I, I believe God would be quite happy, quite happy if we were like that. If we had that attitude like the woman, I can just go into the throne room of God and grab and take what I need. Because, and God's not going to say, how dare you? 
And religious people will get upset. How they, They'll go, how dare you think you could just go into the throne room of God and take. We're his kids. We're his family. We are, we are the, we're, he's our father. We're, we're his children. Of course we can go into his presence and just receive and take things. He's not trying to withhold anything. He, he's not trying to hold back in any way whatsoever. So this woman, healing was so easily available that this woman just went straight and grabbed it and walked. And, and, and she, was, she wasn't even going to even admit to taking it. She, she, tr she tried to just slip away. In fact, we haven't read it yet, but when Jesus said, who touched my clothes, it actually says no one answered him. No one even, she, she was like, oh, I'm not going to admit to that. Wasn't me. Must have been him over there. No, it wasn't me. She didn't even want to admit it at first. Um, in fact, one of the pass one of the, the gospels, I think, um, uh, let's see, I think it's Luke. It's Luke, Luke chapter eight, which accounts, which records the same um, event in verse 45, Luke eight forty-five says, and Jesus said to her, so said, not to her, Jesus just generally said, Jesus said, who touched me? And it says, when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, master, the multitudes throng you. They all denied it. Everybody said, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And that would include her. So she didn't, she didn't even want to admit to it. And Jesus didn't turn around angry and, and say, who touched me? Come on, you tell me who touched me right now, because how dare you come? How dare you have the cheek to come into the, and touch God's anointed like that and take without even asking? Jesus didn't have that attitude. He wanted to know, because I'm going to tell you this, he was impressed. He was impressed because when, when he finally spoke to this woman, Jesus said, well done, that's, that's faith. That's what I'm looking for. He was impressed. He wanted to know who amongst this crowd actually managed to get a hold of such access to the presence of God that they were able to just come and take and receive so easily like that. Jesus had not seen that with many people. Most of the people who came to Jesus for healing, he had to help get them into the right position to receive. And he had to get their eyes off man and get their eyes off circumstances and all kinds of other things. This woman just came and she grabbed it. She was in faith when she arrived already. And that's what's amazing about this. And I love that about this. But let's, 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 let's ask a question here because th this woman, she said this. In verse 27, she says, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd. We've talked about that a moment ago and touched his garment, touched his garment. Doesn't say she touched him. She touched his garment was clothing. And verse 28 says this, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. If only I can touch his clothes. You know, all logic would tell us that most of the time we would say, if only I can touch him. I just need to touch Jesus. And people are like that today. If only I can touch Jesus, I'll get my result. But this woman didn't say that. This woman said, if I can touch his clothes. And, and so many people just go, brush over that without realizing the significance of that. Why did this woman want to touch his clothing? Why did she want to touch his garment? What is important about that? Um, well, here it is. In the Old Testament, uh, see, G, G, every, where, while Jesus was on this earth, yes, there, there were people who believed he's the son of God, etc. But people understood and saw him as a prophet. And, um, and Jesus even talked about that a prophet is not, you know, received in his own hometown and different things like that. But um, in the Old Testament, the anointing of God uh, was, was represented by the, the prophet's 
Oh, it's what the old, the King James Bible calls it the mantle or his coat or his cloak, coat or cloak. Um, so in the Old Testament, a prophet's clothing represented the anointing because the anointing would come upon them just like we would wear a garment. Uh, this type of anointing is not, this is, we're not talking about an anointing that's inside them in their heart. The Bible does talk about the Holy Spirit on the inside. But this, there's also the anointing that comes upon somebody, just like a, a garment or a jacket or a coat would come upon them. So in the Old Testament, their clothing, their garment represented the anointing, the power of God. And what this woman was saying when she said, if I can just touch his clothes, she was saying, if I can just come into contact with the power of God upon him, if I can just come into contact with that anointing. Now, for a start, that showed she believed he was anointed. She believed that when she, when that, when she touched that anointing, that that power was going to do something in her life. This woman had confidence in the power of God. Now, you know, just, let me just mention some things from the Old Testament just to show you. Elijah and Elisha. When, Eli when, when Elijah was sent by God to call Elisha to follow him, to be his kind of his disciple and then to, to his protege that he could mentor up as the next prophet. The Bible says Elijah went past El um, Elisha and he threw his mantle on him. Again, that's his, clo his coat, his coat. He threw that mantle upon him. And, and, and Elisha, and, and then he walked off. He walked past Elisha, he throws his jacket on him, and he just walks off. Now, most of us would think, what the strange kind of person throwing his jacket at me? But Elisha knew exactly what that meant. And, and, and Elisha ran after him. He knew exactly that Elijah was, was communicating to him that the anointing that is upon me is going to come upon you. And, and Elisha understood that. And we see this over and over again through Elijah and Elisha's ministry. <coughs> when Eli when a excuse me, I'm talking too fast and too loud here. Have a drink quickly. <coughs> when, Eli when Elijah was going to be taken up into heaven and he went to the river Jordan, he struck the river with his mantle, his clothing. He took his coat off and he struck that river. Now, why again was that significant? Because that was that 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 coat represented the anointing. It represented the power of God upon his life. And by striking the the, the river with it, that was that release of power. There, there was an action that was releasing that power. Later, when Elisha had the same mantle, he did the same thing. He struck the river with his mantle. And again, that was that power being released. Um, when Elijah was about to be taken up into heaven, Elisha said to him, uh, he, he said to him, give me a double anointing. I want double the anointing that's upon you. And, and, and Elijah said, well, if you see me when I go up into heaven, then, the, 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 you know, it's a hard thing, but you can have that. And so Elijah, Elisha watched Elijah going into heaven. And the Bible says Elijah's mantle, his cloak, fell off as he was going up into heaven. So he didn't need it in heaven anymore. He's going to have a brand new robes of righteousness. But anyway, his mantle fell down, floated down to the earth, fell down as he was going up, and, and, and Elisha picked it up and put it on. And that was, that was the symbolic indication saying that that anointing has now come upon you. 
And, and Elisha, from that moment forward, walked in that anointing. See, the prophet's clothing represented his anointing. And that's why this woman, the woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I can just touch Jesus' clothing, if I can just touch his garment. She was saying, I believe he's anointed. She was saying that I believe when I come into contact with that power upon him, it is going to do something in my body. See, that's why I said I want to talk about today confidence in the power of God. We need to understand, we need to have confidence in the power of God. A lot of times people are not confident that when they come into the contact with the power of God, anything's going to happen. When, when somebody lays hands upon you, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And, and, and we see ministers laying hands upon people. That's not just about a natural hand on someone's head and, oh, that's nice. Put your hand on, oh, that's nice. Why does the Bible teach laying on of hands? Because... The anointing is released through the hand and through touch into a person. And so when a hand is laid upon someone in prayer, so many people, when they have hands laid upon them, they just come up with the idea, well, you know, let's see what happens. Or, or they don't come up with any idea at all. They just come and say, well, you know, if he's got any power on him, you know, I'll get it. And that's not the way to do it. We are supposed to come with expectancy. When you come into contact with the power of God, you're supposed to put your faith in it. That when that power touches me, something is, that power is going to be released into my body and is going to cause a transformation. It is going to do what God sent it to do. God wants us to have confidence in his power, in his anointing. And I'm going to give you more scripture on this in a minute. See, the Bible says that in Acts 10, 38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus had the anointing. He had the power of God upon him. In Luke 4, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus. That anointing, that healing power was upon him. And when people came into contact with that power, that power is what drove the sickness and disease out. See, what you need, when you, when you need healing, what you need is healing power. Many people are looking to God to heal them. But what you need to, be, what you need to realize is what heals you. It's healing power. It's a release of healing anointing. And therefore, we need to have an expectancy that when I pray, power is released into my body. Power is released. Healing anointing is released into me to, 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 to drive sickness out and disease out. Okay? And we also need to understand the healing power of God. We need to understand this. We need to understand how it works and, and what causes it to function. And there's, there's so much to say about that. So we're just going to look at some things about it uh, today. But... Let's look back at this woman with the issue of blood. Um, I want you to notice <clears throat> she touched Jesus. She came behind him. She touched his garment. And Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? Now, this is interesting because the disciples then immediately in Mark chapter 5, verse 31, the disciples immediately said to him, you know, what do you, what do you mean, Jesus? You see the multitudes thronging you. Thronging you means everybody's pushing against you. If you're in a crowd and it's thronging you, everybody's going to, going, going to be um, uh, pushing against you and knocking against you. That's all right if you came late. Thank you for the, for the, for the apology, but I'm just glad you joined us. It's really great. <laughs> but um, 
everybody was touching Jesus. Everyone was knocking against him. If you think about a, a famous person in a crowd of people today, everybody's trying to reach out just to think, oh, I touched him, I touched him. Oh, wow, you know, I touched Jesus. Wow, you know. But isn't it amazing? With that whole crowd of people thronging Jesus, all touching him, all coming into contact, Jesus had power upon him. There was healing anointing, healing power upon him. And person after person after person in that crowd was knocking against him and none of them were getting healed. No power was manifesting for any of them except one woman comes in, touches him. And in fact, we haven't read it yet, but the Bible says Jesus felt power go out of him. How come he didn't feel power go out of him when any of the other people touched him? How come only one person, only one person, power, there was a connection with that power? There's got to be something different with this woman. Now, the religious people will look at it and say, oh, you see, because that was the woman that God wanted to heal. God didn't want to heal any of the rest. And that's what people will say. Just be careful saying things like that because you're adding things into the passage. There is nothing in this passage whatsoever that teaches that. Don't add things in when you, when you interpret the Bible. Don't put extra phrases in there. It doesn't say she was the only one that could get it. There's nothing in there whatsoever, so don't assume that. That's bad Bible interpretation. The passage itself shows us exactly why this woman's touch caused power to go into her when no one else's did. Out of all that crowd coming into contact with that anointing upon Jesus, only uh, power only went into one of them. And she, 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 she received healing. All the people who were touching out of curiosity, all the people who were touching out of, well, let's just see what happens. All of the people who were just wondering, oh, I wonder what happens if I touch him. I've heard he does miracles. I wonder what will happen. They got nothing. See, many people come into contact with the power of God. They go up in prayer lines. They, go, they even get into services where there's healing anointing, there's healing power. And, and, and they just kind of see, well, let's see if it touches me. That's the wrong approach. You're like one of the crowd who's touching Jesus out of curiosity. That's not the way to get the power of God to work in your life. So what is the difference with this woman? Why did this woman's touch cause power to be released into her? Well, the answer is in the passage. Mark chapter 5 Verse 30, let's read this one first because I quoted it. Mark chapter 5 verse 30 says, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. See, there it is, power. What went out of Jesus into this woman when she came into contact with that garment, that prophet's garment, that mantle that represented his anointing? Power went out of him. And he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, it's interesting because this is only, out of all the passages we've studied so far in the Gospels, this is only the second one where it actually specifically mentions power. None of the others mention the power. Now, I believe power is involved in every healing, but none of the others mention it. Okay, So there's a reason why this one actually takes the time to mention the power. And I believe it's because of that connection between her wanting to touch his garment. She was, she, her confidence was, in, was what would happen when I come into contact with the power of God. Okay, And you need to have that. You, this is what we all need to understand. We need to have a confidence and an expectancy that when I come into contact with the power of God, things are going to happen in my life. Now, let's just jump quickly down to verse 34 for a moment. This is when Jesus... Finally, she admits, it was me, I touched you. Jesus said to her, Mark 5 verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. 
Jesus did not say, my power has made you well. He did not say, the will of God has made you well. Now that's interesting, because that's what religious people would emphasize. That's what a lot of people think Jesus should have said. But again, don't put words in this passage that are not there, and don't reject the words that are there. There are a lot of people who do not want to hear this idea about faith making you whole. Now, if you don't like hearing about faith making you whole, your issue is not with me, it's with Jesus, because he said it right here. Jesus said it, verse 34, he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Why was it her faith that made her well and not the power? Because actually, we would think the power is actually what healed her. Well, this, is, this passage is showing the ingredients. This is showing what causes that power to work. See, so many people were coming into contact with the power upon Jesus. They were touching him, but none of them were getting, getting results. Why? Because they were not touches of faith. They were faithless touches, or they were neutral touches out of just curiosity. Not necessarily unbelieving touches, but just neutral. No faith, no unbelief, just let's see what happens. Okay? But this woman, the, the, the one factor that was different with this woman's touch was the fact that she, her touch was a touch of faith. Her faith came into contact with the anointing upon Jesus. Her faith came into contact with the power that it was upon Jesus. And it was when those two ingredients combined, faith and power, those two combined together that there was a release of miraculous into her life. And this is what we need to understand because this is what's going to, this is the same as it is today. This God, Holy Spirit wants us to see this. Faith in the power of God, confidence in the power of God. We need to have confidence and faith that when I come into contact with that power, it'll do in my life. Okay. Now, as I said, we, we've not mean, we've not seen many passages specifically mention the power of God. We've not uh, out of these different healing passages. This is only the second one, and we've, we've studied I don't know eight, seven, eight, nine. I haven't counted them up already. The only other one that specifically mentions the power was the one we looked at last week, which is Luke chapter 5. The, man, the paralytic who was, they, they ripped the roof open and lowered him through. That paralytic, that passage also mentions power. Remember in, in Luke 5, 17, it says that, that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. We mentioned that last week, but I didn't study it because I said we're going to look at it this week. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, we've got two passages here that both specifically mention the power. Now, here's the interesting thing. In Luke 5, that, where that paralytic was, we, I mentioned the power of the Lord was present. No one's getting healed. Both situations mention power, and both, there's a crowd of people. In one, Jesus is walking around. There's a crowd of people thronging against him. In the other one, he's in a room or a house that is so packed and crowded with people that no one else can get in. So two places where there are crowds of people around Jesus, two places where there is power present, and two places where nobody's getting healed. Except in both accounts, one person each time got healed. Now, this is not a coincidence that this is in the Bible because the Bible wants us, God wants us to see this. And here's the thing. Both of these passages mention, specifically mention the faith, of the, uh, the faith involved in the receiver. Uh, in Luke 5, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, that, that all of them, the four and the man on the bed, when he saw their faith, so there you have a situation where there's power present and then faith gets involved and suddenly miracles happen. 
With the women with the issue of blood, you've got the same thing. You've got a crowd of people. You've got the power present. You've got the anointing upon Jesus because he was clothed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And yet nobody in that crowd is getting healed until the one woman comes along and touches him by faith. The moment faith comes into contact with the power of God, a miracle happens immediately. Now, we've done some teaching on faith, but I, I, want, I wanted to mention this other ingredient today because it's very important that we begin to have confidence in this power, begin to, 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 to expect this power to work in our lives. It, we should, yes, we should believe that it's God's will to answer our prayers. We should believe that God uh, is able to answer our prayers. We, these are all factors that are involved in faith. But we should also believe that when I come into contact with the power of God, it is going to touch my life and something's going to happen. Amen. We saw last week that, that uh, when Jesus was teaching, that the power was present. So right now, as I'm speaking, as we are teaching the word of God, I believe the power of God is present with each one of you right now. If, if you'll connect your faith into it, you'll begin to say expect it and, and thank God I believe the power of God the anointing is present as these teachings are, are going forth I believe as people listen to these I believe there is healing power present and available and I, in the name of Jesus right now I thank God that people receive healing as they listen to these videos as you, as you reach out and you take that power that's available right now with your faith and you thank God I believe you're gonna, there's going to be miracles that happen now keep listening, keep, keep building your faith. If your faith's not at that place yet, keep listening to these broadcasts and we'll help you get there. But both of the passages that mention power also mention faith. This woman, notice what she said. Let's, let's look at her faith, the faith side of it now. Let's look at Mark chapter 5, verse 27. It says, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Touched, she touched that anointing. Verse 28, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Notice the confidence in that statement. If you break that down, there is no uncertainty. Now, yes, she says if, if I may touch his clothes. But the if relates to her. If I, she's wondering if I can do this. But there is no question in anything she says about wondering if God will do it, or no uncertainty, no, maybe God will do it. Now, people, religious people these days get offended because they, they, they want to tell you that how dare you have that kind of confidence with God? How dare you approach God and say, when I come into contact with God, I am going to receive. Religious people will jump up and down and they'll get angry in the face and they'll fume and they'll, they'll say, how dare you? You can't be like that with God. I'm here to tell you right now, that's exactly what God wants you to be like. That is exactly what God's looking for. God is looking for people who say to him, I have absolute confidence in you, Father. I have absolute confidence that in, in the fact that you are the healer. And I have confidence in you that when I come into contact with you, when I pray, you respond. When I ask you, you give because I know that you're a giving God. I have confidence in your nature and your character. I have confidence in your word and I have confidence in your power. And I thank you, Father God, when I touch you, when I come into contact with you, you release your power into my life and miracles happen. That's what God's looking for. That's the faith God's looking for. Now, I haven't spoken much about words yet. We'll leave that for another time. But I want you to notice it says this woman said she spoke it out. If only I may touch his clothes, 
I shall be made well. Now, some people um, look at, uh, I think it's Luke. Luke mentions, um, she, seems to say in the old King James that she thought this. She said within herself, okay? And, and some people have kind of said, oh, no, but she didn't actually verbally say it. She just thought it. Now, again, be very careful about statements like that. Study something out before you just say, say things like that, okay? If you look at this in, in Luke 8, where it says, she, 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 is it Luke 8 or Matthew? It's one of the two. Let me just check which one it is before I say it. Uh, da, 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 da. It's one of the two. It's Matthew 9 or Luke 8 where it says it. Um, yeah, if she's, if it's actually Matthew 9. That's why I had to check it. I wasn't sure it was Luke. Matthew 9 verse 21 says, she, for, and the new King James said, for she said to herself. The old King James says she said within herself. And it translates that in a way that makes it sound like she just thought it. She didn't actually verbally say it. Now, I, I, I did some checking with the Greek words here. I went and looked this up. And just to clarify this, because I've heard some people say, oh, well, you don't need to actually verbally say it. You just, you know, as long as you think your request to God, that's enough. That's not how the Bible teaches it. The Bible talks about words. The Bible talks about speaking it. And people use that passage in Matthew where it says she said within herself, and it's translated that way in the, in the King James. People use that to say, well, you know, she didn't actually speak this, so you can't use this passage to teach words. Yes, you can, because that's not, what, uh, that's not accurately there. I went and looked at the original words. For the first start, it, 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 it's, that said within herself is made up of two things. It's made up of a preposition. A preposition is a word like to, in, on, at, that. The Greek word, it's a type of preposition, but it's a very broad preposition that can have a lot of different meanings. It can mean in, it can also mean with. It can be translated in many different ways. It doesn't necessarily mean in herself. And then the second word is, is herself, okay? But that preposition, the way that preposition is translated is what causes the confusion. Because it makes it seem like she only said it within herself. But actually the usage of that preposition across the Bible is so broad that you cannot definitely say that it has to, in this passage, be translated said within herself. It, it, there's not enough clarity in the original language to definitely say she said within herself. It, 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 the, it, 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 it lines up far better to say that she said to herself. Okay? She, she wasn't saying it to other people, but she said it to herself. Now, the other thing is it does not use the word think or thought. It uses the word speak. The word speak, something actually spoken is in there. So she said, she spoke this to herself is what that means. And if you study it out, Mark chapter 5 supports that because it says she said, doesn't say anything about just said it in herself. Okay. Now we could talk about that more another time when we talk about words. Because it's not the emphasis here. But what I wanted you to see is that this woman actually verbally spoke out. Didn't, not for everyone else to hear, but for herself. She, kept, she was, I'm going to touch him. I'm going to touch him. I'm going to get healed. When I come into contact with him, I'm going to receive healing. She was speaking it out. Okay? But, um, so her faith came into contact with that anointing. There are two ingredients. Let's get back to that. Because I want to say some more about that. Her faith, two ingredients. In Luke chapter 5, you've got the power present, you've got a crowd present, and no one's getting the healing until faith, some, a group of people come in who are in faith, and the moment faith is present, the power works. 
in Mark chapter 5, you've got a crowd of people around Jesus who was anointed with healing power. Everyone's touching him, curiosity thronging against him. Nothing's happening until the touch of faith, until a woman connects with him with faith. And as soon as faith comes into contact with the power of God, healing and miracles begin to take place. So let's, let's, explore, this, let's explore this a little bit. If you go to Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I've been flicking back and forth in my notes and I've lost where I am. Okay, in Corinthians, Paul talked about um, that your it's chapter two one uh, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man. There it is, one Corinthians chapter two, uh, verse five. That your faith, he mentions faith there, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, we're, we're taught a lot of the times, are oh, we supposed to have just faith in God? Yes, I believe we should have faith in God and the passages that teach. I'm not saying you shouldn't have faith in God. Have faith in God. But here, Paul highlights people having faith in the power of God. God wants us to have faith. To have Another word for faith is confidence. Have confidence in the power of God. We should be confident about what that power will do when we come into contact with it. See, this woman, this woman with the issue of blood, she was confident that the moment she touched his clothing, the moment she came into contact with that anointing upon him, that she would be healed. She knew that that would, would do. Now, I believe that, 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 that a lot of times people do not have confidence in the power of God. They don't have expectation over, with the power of God. And the Spirit of God put this on a long time ago in another message I preached, but it's still relevant. The Spirit of God put it on my heart that, that people need to have their confidence in the power of God raised. We need to become more confident in the power of God, more expectant that that, in, to, that, that power will be, be will operate and will be released when we come into contact with it. We need to have confidence in what God's power can do and can accomplish. God's power can totally destroy and wipe out sickness and disease. God's power can be released into a body and make lame legs walk. Just like in Acts, the lame man, the power of God went into him and he jumped up and his legs began to move. Power of God can raise the dead, Lazarus. There's no limits to what the power of God can do. But so often in the Bible, people limit what the power of God can do and, and, and limit what God can do. They look at situations and think, oh, it's too big. Oh, this is too much. I don't think anyone, anyone's going to be able to do anything here. But, but see, the doctors couldn't help this woman. Their, their power was limited. But God's power is not, was not, and is not. There's a comparison there, what, what man could do and what God could do. God can do far exceedingly above and beyond our expectations. Let's look quickly at Psalm 78 because I want to show you something here. <clears throat> Psalm 78. Psalm 78 verse 12. Now, here God is talking about the children of Israel in the, in the wilderness. And um, really, to be honest, most of the Psalm, God's rebuking, rebuking them. Psalm 78 verse 12. But this, this psalm as well reinforces what I'm talking about here, about having increasing our confidence in the power of God. 
It says in Psalm 78 verse 12, Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the, la in the field of Zohan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. So it's talking about the, the, the powerful things God did in Egypt. It's talking about how he split the Red Sea. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. He made the water stand up like a heap. In the daytime also, he led them with the cloud. All the different things God did for them in the wilderness, leading them through, 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 through the wilderness by that cloud and, and, and through the Red Sea, that re incredible release of miraculous power in the wilderness. Uh, and it, it talks about he split the rocks in verse 15. He gave them drinks. He brought streams out of the rock. He caused water to run down like rivers. Verse 17, notice this. But they sinned even more against him. No matter how much powerful things God was doing, it says they just con continued to sin and resist him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. They tested God in their heart. By asking for the food of their fancy. Yes, they spoke against God. And they said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Now, that, in other words, when God said, I will provide food for you. Instead of them saying, yes, God, we are confident in your power. We believe that you're going to do it. Instead of them putting confidence in what God could do, despite all the amazing miracles he had done, despite everything he'd done for them, instead of them putting confidence in him, they turned around and said, huh, really? Can God actually provide food in the wilderness? What were they doing? They were questioning what the power of God could do for them. They were saying, no, God can't do that. No, they had no confidence, no expectance, no expectation in the power of God whatsoever. And they questioned it, despite all the amazing things God did for them. And then verse 20, behold, he struck the rock so that water gushed out. Uh, Moses struck the rock and streams overflowed. And uh, oh, sorry, this is still actually them speaking. It says, this is them speaking, verse from verse 19. Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck a rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? They were questioning what God's power could do. And they were saying, there's no way God can feed all these people. Notice verse 21 it says this, therefore the Lord heard this. And how did God respond? says he was furious. See, God was furious when they spoke like, God can't do it. Oh, no, that's too big. God can't feed that many people. Do you have any idea how many people there are in the wilderness? No, this is a big situation. I understand how God can do little things, but no, 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 no. You, you, you've got to realize, God, this is too big. And they began to question. And in fact, the very passage where this is quoting in Numbers um, we could read it, but, but I, I, I won't read it right now. But the very passage where this is talking about this, where they said this, they questioned what God can do. God spoke to Moses and he said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is, is the Lord's arm shortened? Now, God's arm is an expression of his power. And God was saying, are you saying my power is limited? Are you saying my power can't do this? See, that's why God was furious, because they were saying, no, no, the power of God can't do it. God's God, God can't do this. And then it talks about his anger came against Israel. But verse 22, why? Why was God upset? It says, 
because they did not believe in God. They did not look at God and say, you know what, God, I don't care how big this situation is. I know you're bigger. You're bigger. I don't care how challenging this situation is. I don't care the fact that, that that sickness has been in my body for years, chronic conditions like that woman with the issue of blood we were looking at. It, it doesn't matter. Your power is big enough. You can do this. God's looking for people who will begin to speak out and begin to show in their actions, God, I have absolute confidence in your power. I know your power. You can do this. You're able to totally fix and transform and release my body. You're able to provide. doesn't matter how difficult it looks. You're able to come through in a way. I have confidence in your power. I believe in what you can do. Say, God got angry because they did not believe. And it says, yet... Uh, yet he had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He had rained down manna on them to eat and given them the bread of heaven. They, uh, men ate angels' food. He sent them food to the full. He said even though God did all these things, he provided, he opened the heavens, he provided food and water for them. He caused the, the wind to blow. And it says by his power he brought in the south wind. He also rained meat on them like the dust. Meat just coming out, uh, birds just landing on them and saying, yeah, eat me, eat me, eat me. They were just arriving. God was sending them food and taking care of them. Um, and, and, and then it says, um, um, uh, verse 29, so, so they ate and were, were well filled for he gave them their own desire. Uh, they, had, they were not deprived of their cravings. Their mouths were, uh, their mouth but while their mouth, while the food was still in their mouth, yet they are eating the very food that God has rained down on them and brought to them by His power. It says while the food was still in their mouth, the wrath of God came against them. Why? Well, we know already why God was angry because they questioned what He could do. And then verse verse thirty two. In spite of this, in spite of this, they still sinned. No matter how much God did for them, they kept resisting him. And notice this, they still sinned and did not believe his wondrous works. They looked at those miracles God did and they still continued to question what God can do. No matter how many miracles God did, even right up to the point that God brought them to the promised land, ready to go in after a whole history of seeing the power of God released and released and released for them. And the amount of things God had done, splitting Red Seas, bringing water out of rocks. They stood on the verge of that promised land and they said, no, no, the giants are too big. Can't do it. Can't do it. Now you can see why God got so upset. Why God said, you're questioning me. You won't even believe what my power can do in your life. And it says, in spite of this, they didn't believe his wondrous works. Therefore, their days he consumed in futility and their years in fear. They ended up dying. Okay, But notice this. Let's, um, let's jump down a little bit. Verse 40 says, how often... They provoked him in the wilderness. They provoked God in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Again, yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited, limited the Holy One of Israel. This actually says they limited God. You see, God's, God is all powerful. He can do anything, but you can limit him in your life 
when you begin to question what he can do, when you look at situations and think and, and are so overwhelmed, oh, that situation's so big, I don't see any way through. Oh, God, you know, are you able? Can you do anything? Instead of turning to God and saying, God, that situation's nothing. I have full confidence in your power. I know the miraculous power of God is big enough and is powerful enough to provide. Just like God provided food for them, he prov provided food for me. Just like God healed heal them, he'll heal me. That's what God's looking for. But they limited God. And then it says this in verse 42. They did not remember his power. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy when he worked his signs in Egypt. And it goes on. Why did they keep questioning God? Because they kept forgetting what his power had done for them already. The, the incredible miracles. They had zero confidence in the power of God. No matter what God did for them, every time they faced another situation, they began to question whether, whether God will do anything. They had absolutely no confidence in the power of God whatsoever. Now let's not be like that. Let's not duplicate that like, this, like those people. God is looking for people. That's why Paul said in Corinthians, he said that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God. Yes, we should have faith in God himself, but the Bible also teaches having faith in his power. God is looking for people who will have an expectation of, as to what his power can do. This woman, this woman that we've been studying today in Mark 5, the woman with the issue of blood, she had absolute confidence. Why did she want to touch Jesus' garment? Why did she say, if I can just touch his clothes, just touch his garment? That's because she, she understood that in the Old Testament, the, the, the prophet's mantle represented his anointing. What this woman was saying is, if I can just come into contact with the power, if I can just come into contact with the anointing upon him, I will be healed. That was her saying, I have absolute confidence in the power of God. I believe that that power will do in my life what it needs to do. That's faith. That's why Jesus was so impressed. And he said that was faith in that woman. That woman just came. She touched the power. And that, that power just flowed into her. Because she had absolute confidence and expect, expectancy in it. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Stir yourself up. Stir yourself up about the power of God and what it can do in your life. And, and begin to remind yourself on a daily basis when you look at situations and you begin to think, oh, wow, it's, it's, it's so hard. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to get through this. Don't, don't do that. Begin to remind yourself. Begin to, begin to declare out God is bigger. God's power is well able to do this. God is able to bring a release in this situation. And I thank God that there is nothing, nothing, nothing that can stand in the way of the power of God nothing and then when I, and, and when my faith reaches out to come into contact with that power i believe that power is released and will do in my life what what, it, what god wants it to do amen well i really hope that that, that that stirs you up a little bit today i believe that the power of god is able to do anything the power of god can heal bodies the power of god can put can fix limbs can fix bodies can get people out of wheelchairs the power of god can raise the dead the power of god can open the blind eyes the power of god can can like make make the lame walk like that man in acts where peter says i don't have any silver and gold but what i have i give to you in the name of jesus rise up and walk power hit that man's legs regenerated his legs restored strength in the body and he got up 
begin to declare every one of you I, I just want to encourage you this week begin to speak out on a regular basis right throughout the week remind yourself God is able God is big enough I believe that the power of God can bring me through what I'm facing right now if it's a battle if it's a financial situation God just I'm going to throw myself in complete dependence upon you and I'm going to begin to declare you're well able to do this and I expecting your power to be released in my life to do this. Amen. <laughs> well, thank thank you all for listening. And uh, I could I could go on and on. I love doing these teachings, but um, I, I suppose that's a good dose for today, and something good for you all to to uh, to hold on to for this week. And uh, please join us every week. I know some of you do. And uh, share these videos. As I'd appreciate it. We've been doing a series on the healing ministry of Jesus. We've been individually studying each of the cases where Jesus healed people. Today we looked at the woman with the issue of blood. And we're focusing on specific things in these passages to help people understand how the healing power works. We're, we're particularly looking at, um, initially we're looking at all the people that came to Jesus. Not the people that Jesus went to them. We're, we're going one by one through all the people that came to Jesus. Because these are the ones where the Bible says, that, like Hebrews 11, he who comes to God must believe. When you come to God, put your faith and confidence in him. So we're looking at all the people that came to Jesus initially. And we're examining the faith. We're examining how Jesus helped them. We're looking at the characteristics of their faith. And, and, and those who were not yet in faith, how Jesus had to help them. We've seen the two blind men that had, they, they had to put some effort in. We've seen that the, 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 even all the women with the issue of blood, she had to be determined. She had to have a drive. She had to push through. Uh, and and, 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 and we, we've seen the man that came to Jesus. He was so desperate. His eyes were focused so much on the this, this situation that he couldn't see anything else. And Jesus had to get his eyes off the situation and onto God. We've seen the man that was putting all responsibility on everybody else. The disciples do it. Jesus do it. Everybody else do it for me. And Jesus said, no, nah, uh, uh, uh. it's not about trying to get everyone else to do it for you. It's about you believing. So each of these, were, are, these teachings we're doing, they're adding on. They're, they're building up principles that hopefully as you put each of these principles into practice from this series of videos, um, uh, you'll begin to see greater results in your life. We've still got more to do. There's still more to do. But there's still a number of them that we haven't even covered yet of the ones who came to Jesus. But we're beginning to start seeing the ones that actually approached and arrived in faith with confidence like this woman. And her confidence was in the anointing.